You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number two. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. The bottom of the hour. Sammy Cos, Sam Cosentino, NHL analyst, Sportsnet draft expert, going to join us. Tee up the Flames and Blackhawks with Sammy Cos. My man, Jay Kahn, co-host of The Point on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio at 8 o'clock. Then Adam Stanley, live from Augusta National at around 20 to 9-ish. We got to ask him about pimento cheese sandwiches with Adam Stanley. And I guess Tiger Woods and the Live guys were in their Live gear at the Masters, which is super interesting. And super fascinating. Uh, we're taking your text messages to 960-960 name and location. These two games mean as much to the Flames as blank means to me. These two games mean as much to the Flames as blank means to me. 960-960 name and location. Speaking of the Masters, uh, the pool is up and running. Matty Rose is um, he's tweeting out the link right now, if you missed it, to our Masters pool. And it's brought to you by our good friends at Calgary Lock and Safe. Like, it's it's pretty ridiculous. It's free to enter, and someone's going to win a green-colored designer safe made by Uscan and a rechargeable golf rangefinder. Prizes valued at over 550 bucks. It's not bad. Easy to enter. Just tweeted out the link, Matt Rose YYC. Uh, you can head to sportsnet.ca, go to the contest page for the 960 website. It is also there. The link that you can sign up. Uh, it's a pretty simple process. There's three groups of players to pick from, three pools of players, I believe would be the correct term there, George. Got to be uh, sharp on your semantics. Yep. And uh, you make a few selections from each one. You file it. You can't look at anybody else's until all of the rosters lock. Uh, they will lock Wednesday night. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, we're looking forward to this. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Alex, if you can please uh, tweet that out on the Sportsnet 960, the fan Twitter account. Done and uh, done. As well. Thank you. Uh, Instagram it, I guess. Put it on the gram, as well, the kids say. On the talk. Yeah. Um, up on the LimeWire, Lime, AOL. Yep. Okay. Um... And don't forget, secure your summer fun with Calgary Lock and Safe's keyed alike padlocks for your patio. Lock up heaters, barbecues, furniture, and more with one key. Visit their showroom today. Sweet, sweet prizes. And the rangefinder goes up to 650 yards. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. So if you're standing on a par five, if you can laser in on the flag, you know exactly how far away it is when you're hitting big bombs off the tee. Striping her down the fairway. Yeah. Hitting big bombs like Phil. Yeah. Remember like everyone, when everyone loved Phil Mickelson? Yeah. Before he went total heel and went to live? Before he got skinny? Yeah. Well, I'm not going to tell you what drug he was taking, but he definitely loaded <laughs> up on a drug. That's why he's super skinny now. But uh, Phil Mickelson's going to play with Tiger should Woods. Should I ask and that's my doctor about it? Uh, <laughs> you, you, may, you probably should. <laughs> um, Flames uh, with the Chicago Blackhawks tonight. No, no, don't, don't say anything negative about Big Pharma because they're in it for you. Um, Flames and Blackhawks tonight in an absolute must win tonight down at the Dome. And um, again, I I asked you this question. The Flames don't pick up two points. Uh, The the road to the Stanley Cup playoffs gets a lot damn tougher. I it can't be a look ahead game. It shouldn't Mm -hmm. be a look ahead game. 
But man, Maddie, I'm getting look ahead game vibes in this one tonight. Here's the thing. Like, this is where a team that has a whole bunch of those, and it, I already hate the fact I'm going to say it, veteran leaders who have cup experience. These are the type of guys that you have to try and lean on in games like this that are going to have you ready and geared up and maybe treating this like a playoff game, even though you know the team on the opposite side like would have a hard time making the playoffs in the AHL this year. So there's an obvious kind of mental lull whenever you go into a game like this late in the season. The teams that lost eight straight in regulation, in regulation in today's NHL, that is hard to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, sure enough, they've gone out and done it. But this is the type of game where I'd look to guys like Michael Backlund, Blake Coleman, Jonathan Huberdeau, Nos Kadri, Tyler Toffoli. Tyler Toffoli. These are the guys that are going to carry you through this game. These are the guys that need to be the ones that carry you through this game. Um, you were saying earlier that you believe that Jacob uh, Markstrom will have the night off and we'll see some Dan Vladar action. Or do you play Markstrom on both ends of the back-to-back? I said Dan Vladar, but my conviction in this is so slim and minimal that it, it barely even counts. Like, this is one of those things yeah. that especially with the way that we've seen Daryl in the past, like this is it's a game you need to have. There's two points that are on the board. Yep. But as much as you need to have this one, you need to have the one tomorrow even more. Oh, no question. Right? So, man, it's such a... Like, here's the thing. I, I would be very interested to kind of see what they're thinking behind closed doors as far as how Markstrom is feeling. Because... All the talk at the end of the last year was, oh, man, this guy's played so much, like 65 starts, all that type of stuff, which was fair. This year, he didn't get nearly as many starts because he didn't play as good in the first half of the season. Now, for the last month, month and a half, we had Jacob Markstrom, and he played in every single game, and he faced a lot of rubber, and he played really well for the team. So you kind of got to wonder where his fatigue level is, and, and, and I think that would be something that's important. Like, you know that Markstrom wants both of them, too. Yeah. The competitor that he is. Yeah. I uh, I thought it was interesting uh, on the game on Sunday night in that win over the Ducks, how Greg Millen said that Markstrom just looks a little tired to him. And if that's in fact the case, I think you got to go Vladar tonight. You got to have a healthy, arrested uh, Jacob Markstrom uh, tomorrow night in Winnipeg and what essentially is a must win if you want to get into the playoffs. And... He's played in 17 of their last 18 games. Yeah, and I guess fatigue would play he a factor. He started in three in all but three of those. And it's funny how we've our views on goaltending with everything we know about sports science now and how, how that's taken over uh, every facet of professional sports and even at the amateur level. It's not your old days when uh, Marty Brodeur would play 72 of the 82 games <laughs> for the Devils. <laughs> Patrick Waugh would be in every single game. Yeah. Dominic Hasek playing every game. It's not like that Mika anymore. Mika Kiprasov would make 72 starts, right. 73 starts a year. And even Mike Feud is on our show saying if uh, Daryl Sutter could play him every single game, he would have for all 82. Yeah, I always felt kind of bad for Jamie McLennan in some of those spots. Well, sorry, but, that was Jonathan Quick because he talked about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was Quick in, in L.A. I'll play him every game. It was the exact same thing. Though. Yeah, right. You, he you, rode Kipper. You better believe. Yeah. He had the exact same mentality yep. when he was here with Mika Kiprasov. So that's that's just one of those things that I'm fascinated to see how Morning Skate goes. Yeah, um, I wanted to ask you about the boys that. will be there. And where where the is is Walker Dewar still elevated in this lineup? I'm I'm intrigued to see that as well. Like I'm going to say no. I'm going to say he gets back kind of reverted, and and that goes back to what I said about Blake Coleman earlier, where I think you're going to really have to lean on those veterans in a game like this and. 
and I don't mind going back to Backlund and Coleman on a pair together. Um, you know, Daryl also talked about that as something that's kind of like a, a kick in the butt, like a little bit of a, a boost per se. He wasn't, it, it didn't seem like he was like, oh, this, this line has not been working for so long. Like it's Backlund and Coleman that he split up, right? Like yeah. that's, we've been talking about that. When you got pairs in your forward groups, that's the first one that comes to mind. Second would be Lindholm and Toffoli. So I would say that he's probably back starting on the fourth line, but even the fact that he got a little bit of that bump in the last game, I think that's a positive thing to see for both Walker Dewar and the Flames as a whole. It's funny how uh, how much a week has changed in Flames Nation when um, Matt Coronado was the big signing. Yeah. And I, there's no chance that guy's getting into the lineup. And no here. one's even... No, everybody's clamoring like, for it. Yeah, because wins te- help do that, hey? Yeah, like wins are like, yeah, okay, we can't put this guy in the lineup because we won four straight. We don't want to mess with things. And it's not like the Flames look dominant in those wins. Who cares? Yeah, just get the job done tonight. Get those two points. Even if it's an overtime, good God, if it goes to overtime, get it for the Calgary Flames. But even if it's an overtime, fine. Like the season hinges on that game tomorrow night in Winnipeg. And I don't even think that's hyperbole. Like, I just think that's. That's the truth. That's something we've been I've been talking about for the mm-hmm. last month or so. Yeah. The season is tomorrow night in Winnipeg against the Jets. And if you can get two points, you got the inside track. It's, well, it's, it has to be in regulation. But even I think if you're the Flames, you take an overtime win tomorrow night in Winnipeg right now. Oh, yeah, for sure. If I put that on the table for you, you're like, yeah, I'll take it. Oh, we'll take the one extra point in Winnipeg against the Jets. Done. You, you compare the remaining schedule. I think you feel up. pretty good about that. But tonight, I just... And and that game that they lost, it was a Thursday night game earlier in the season when Max Domi was flying and Blackwell was like doing stuff. And the Blackhawks just, I don't know, flames look completely flat as a pancake. And these last couple games too for Calgary, like the game against the Ducks kind of came out flat. Yep. Game against the Canucks. They were really flat. Came out flat. Yeah. You just want them to, to stomp the Blackhawks tonight. Come out with a big effort. And have a have a as here's a gambling term for you. Yeah, a rocking chair win. Yeah, where you just don't oh, have to worry about it. I do love a good rocking chair win. Like, I I totally agree with you. If you can, and I, it's certainly within the realm of possibility, you can score a few quick ones on the Chicago team and basically run away and hide with this game. You know, not in the sense where you're just playing a trap game and all that type of stuff, but. You just keep playing your own game and roll through your lines and you don't have to give anybody a whole bunch of extra minutes and you don't have to tax guys extra. And yeah. Just play smart. Try not to take any crushing hits, that type of thing. Try and yeah. just protect your goaltender, your bodies, and the victory all at the same time. But I, th- I think that's more than possible for this team. Like, rocking chair win would be nice. Yeah. Just get out to a lead, hold a lead, never feel like it's in doubt. Just a nice, stress-free yeah. victory would be nice. Because yeah. tomorrow is going to be very stressful for the fan base. I, I know we only have uh, five games left in the Calgary Flames season. And you mentioned a lot of guys who definitely need to be stepping up their game and elevating their game. You know the guy I'm looking at right now? And I know he leads the team with 42 assists. But they really need a lot from Elias Lindholm here in the next five games. He needs to be a difference maker here for the Calgary Flames. I know he's a guy that prides himself on his 200-foot game. I get, I get that he was uh, the centerman on the number one line in the NHL last season, but obviously he's had a down year. And what were we going to expect? Of course, he was going to have a down year after not playing with Kachuk and Goudreau. But I, 
I I need to see a little more from Elias Lindholm here in the last five games of the season. He had five points over a four-game point streak. Since then, he's just got a couple of assists over the last five games. It has maybe been a little bit quieter, especially when you look at a matchup. Like I honestly thought that, that, that the Lindholm line maybe was the group that struggled the most against that top line for Anaheim, especially early on in the first period of that game Sunday against the Ducks. And frankly... I was pretty surprised by it because that's not a group that I would expect to be, you know, kind of turned around and, and unable to keep up with a group led by Trevor Zegris. Like, I, I think Zegris is a fun player to watch. He's got all the offensive talent, but I look like a guy like Lindholm, and I'm like, that's that's like a dream matchup for the guy. You should if put that, him in your pocket. If that's your number one center and that's the, like, tough matchup that Lindholm has, he should win that yeah. nine times out of ten with and, this point in their career. And there's no question they need a ton here from Kadri and Huberto down the stretch. Yeah. Obviously, they're the two big uh, acquisitions you made in the summer. You want them to deliver here with five games to go, but Lindholm's arguably their most important forward, mm-hmm. especially with where he plays in the lineup. You know, his responsibility, his responsibilities on the PK. Like he's being a, one of those guys to help facilitate for their top yep. goal scorer this year in Tyler Toffoli. And Backlund's been given everything. He probably the best season, and you would know better than I would, probably his best season as a Calgary Flame. I would say his most consistent season as a Calgary sure. Flame. I've maybe we've seen stretches and, where he's been really good. Like and I think he might be dealing with something. He had to miss pr- a couple of practices not too recently as and, well. So maybe he's got a little getting a little bit banged up as well, as everybody is around this time of year. But there's nothing wrong with asking a little more from your frontline players here for the Calgary Flames. And I just I just, just need to see a little more from Lindholm here the last five games. I just want to see him be a difference maker out there for the Calgary Flames. Cause I want to see the shot more, man. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's lethal. Like, he has a wrist shot that when he can load that up and he can pick, it, pick his spots, and, and granted... When you score 40 goals, you get a little bit extra attention. You don't have nearly as much time to shoot as you did the year prior. That's just good scouting, which happens in the NHL. But this is a guy that off the rush can create offense with his shot. On the power play, can create offense with his shot. And and this year, like when you talk about players who have seen the steepest goal-scoring production drop-off, number one is Austin Matthews, mm-hmm. and number two is Elias Lindholm, who is... More than 20 goals less than what he had last year. And in the offseason, we talked about Lindholm. We talked about Manjapani and their goal totals last year. Lindholm, 40-plus. Manjapani was at 35. Those were probably career highs or very close to a career high. I don't mm-hmm. think those would be the, the norm. But at the same time, I think both their totals this year are lower than I certainly would have expected going into the season. This now feels like you're on kind of a, a career low, or rather in that kind of area for the goal scoring. You just, I don't know if the expectations are awry, but I just was hoping for a little bit more offense and pucks in the back of the net from those guys. Not to say they haven't been getting their chances, just, man, there's so many things that, like, when you and I will be watching a game, watch Andrew Mangiapane get a puck right around the crease and looks like a great opportunity, and buries it right in the logo, and you're like, man. Every time last year, that was posting in. That was five holing in. And for whatever reason, just it's it's not going the same way. What would you say or how would you rate Rasmus Anderson's season? Because obviously there was a little little bit of a lull there after he had that just freak accident 
in Detroit, which really jarred him. And it makes it, was it hard, really right? Wake up call. It's hard, but to I judge think he's season. been he's been really good uh, for the Flames here. Do you, do you kind of draw a parallel to what we need to see from Lindholm the next five games? To what we need to see from Anderson on the blue line? Well, I, I would group Anderson and Hannafin together um, because I think that top pair has to do a lot of work because I think Nikita Zadorov, as the season has gone on, has continued to be a little bit more of a roller coaster. So I don't know if I... Yeah, he is what he is. He is what he is. And when is he it... gets more minutes, that continues to be the case, which I don't think any of us should be overly surprised by that. And Mackenzie yeah. Weger isn't like... He, he isn't just the most kind of quiet guy on the ice either. He plays a loud, boisterous type of game. So you have to rely on lines or pairs like Hannafin and Anderson a lot. And when those two are moving their feet, activating the offensive zone, it creates so much more trouble defensively for opposition because they can both skate. They both like to carry the puck around the outside of the zone and catch a little speed and go behind the net and try and find someone in front to create offense. I think they do a great job of doing that. And you're going to have to lie, re, lean on them, rely on them, because it's not only going to be that. It's going to be checking the best guys and making sure that you're really sharp doing it. Yeah, We know they can play together. They had a little bit of a time away from each other after it was maybe a little bit rough for Rasmus Anderson returning from that injury, and I don't think anybody should hold that against him. We don't know what he went through. It sounded like it was pretty serious. I think that he's had a good year. I think he's had a solid year and it would have been intriguing to see, you know, what the totals would have been if it didn't get derailed by that accident Mm -hmm. in Detroit. Um, I thought it was really interesting in that game against the Ducks, how Hannafin was trying to make things happen offensively, man. When he uses his feet, dude, it's, and, and then he's turning the puck over at times. You're like, what are you doing here? And you could even see the frustration on his face. We've seen that from him the last few games where he has these really bad turnovers in inopportune times. Yeah. But, yeah, you want him to, to join the rush. You want him to be take a couple more chances offensively because this team does still struggle to score goals, and they need a little bit more from their back end. It's just uh, – it, it's not it's not rocket science here. Like, you just got to have the Flames' best players be their best players now with five games to go. This is it. Like, this is the season here. Uh, you had you, – you lost to teams you shouldn't have lost throughout the entire year. Here's another one staring you right in the face mm-hmm. on home ice against mm-hmm. a team that has no business beating you tonight. No. Everything is on you. All the desperation is on the Calgary Flames. Get out to that quick start. Beat the brakes off the Blackhawks. Have a nice, easy second half of the game. Kind of take it easy before you got to jump on that bird to get to Winnipeg. Let Lucic, Lewis, and Walker Dewar go out there sure. and run rough shot. If, in fact, Dewar is not elevated up in the lineup, which he might be, which I wouldn't be against because well, he's been one of the best players okay, in the, the Flames. Then Nick Ritchie sure. can do it. Sure. It Whatever. doesn't matter to me. Sure. By all means. But you need these players to elevate their games. Just five games to go here. Ten points on the table. Like, how many do they need to get into the playoffs? Seven minimum out of the ten? <sighs> that would mean that Winnipeg only gets six of their remaining ten. Oh, man. And even then, wouldn't it be... <sighs> Wouldn't it be eight because they're a point back right now? Well, so. it's 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 two and a half points because of the tiebreaker. Yeah, so you would need, man. I'm thinking probably eight points. That that but if it all rests on that game in Winnipeg and how that game in Winnipeg goes and what the end up result is because 
if you take care of business, you don't really have to worry about those Predators games so much. And honestly, with the way the Predators are banged up, and I don't know if they're going to be getting healthy anytime soon, and even if they are, it really feels like they're maybe rushing guys back to try and get in this thing. I'm not too worried about the Predators anymore at this point. Uh, much like you felt for a long time. Eight, I'm going to say eight. I'm going to say you can take one regulation loss the rest of the way, and that's probably it. Oh, boy. And it better not be tomorrow night in Winnipeg. It can't be tomorrow night in Winnipeg. No. It shouldn't be tonight. Um, I'm going to – we'll talk more about this tomorrow, but can you think of a game, a regular season game for the Calgary Flames that has this much – that's had this much on the stake the last few seasons here in Calgary? Well, because it definitely wasn't last season because they they rolled to the division title. So when's the last time a regular season game had this much juice meant this much to the team? They had to get in. Well, the the qualifying round is a weird one. Ugh. So I wouldn't really COVID NHL stuff count Ugh. that. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, do they have to climb it like the 16-17 season where they find away flames? Well, there's my I point. I feel like they try. They kind of had to get in late. There's my point. It's been years. It, yeah, it certainly since hasn't been recently. Since you've had such a, an enormous regular season game for the Calgary Flames that it's tomorrow night in Winnipeg. Yeah, there was the COVID season, so take that for whatever it's worth. There was the season where they got that to the sun. Yeah, where they lost in the to the Avalanche in five games in the first round, but they actually won their division that year, and they were excited about their matchup with the Colorado Avalanche. Then Kale McCarr showed up and said, "Yeah, na 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 na." And then there was last year when once again they were first in the Pacific, so that wasn't very difficult. So yeah, it's been it's been a few years since they've had to kind of fight tooth and nail. And granted, uh, I think a lot of people would say they weren't supposed to be here at the start of the season, so that's not necessarily a win, mm-hmm. but I think that when you kind of change your expectations around that midway point of the season, understanding how things have realistically went, it's a pretty good spot to be in. These two games mean as much to the Flames as blank means to me. These two games mean as much to the Flames as blank means to me. 960-960, name and location. We'll do that in the 8 o'clock hour. Play some of your text messages. Uh, straight ahead, though, our man Sammy Cause, Sam Cosentino. NHL analyst on Sportsnet, also NHL draft expert, will join us, tee up this Flames and Blackhawks game, get his thoughts on the Winnipeg Jets, Mark Shifley moving to the wing. We'll get Sammy Cause's thoughts on that. And also at the top of the next hour, he is the co-host of The Point on Sirius XM NHL Radio. Jay Kahn will join us, talk about the Flames and Blackhawks, and maybe mix in a little bit of Masters talk Mm. with her man, Jay Kahn. And later on in the program, Maddie. Yeah. What if we add another Maddie no, Rose? No, stop. I can it's we the big just show. stop with this bit? It's the big show. Russ this is a Rose. bit, right? Sportsnet 960, the fan. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. It's the big show. Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems. Downtown studio at the top of the hour. Jay Kahn from Sirius XM NHL Radio. Adam Stanley live from Augusta National. We're also taking your text messages. 960, 960, name and location. These two games mean as much to the Flames as blank means to me. 960, 960. Also, um, we're live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Serving Calgary and Southern Alberta since 19. 19- 
92. On the line right now, NHL analyst at Sportsnet, NHL draft expert for Sportsnet on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We say good morning to our man, Sammy Cosentino. Sammy, how are you? Good morning, guys. I guess I'm the perfect guest for your show because if you get in the playoffs, I can still talk about it. But if you don't, we can talk draft. Yeah, you're you're very versatile. Right? Um, I wanted Look at this guy, jack of all trades. I love it. I wanted to uh, I wanted to start with this. We had our man Peter Labardius on yesterday, and Lou gave us a story on how you deal with somebody in an aeroplane who reclines right into you. You have a specific thing you like to do. It kind of rubs you the wrong way. Can you please give us a few tips on uh, airplane etiquette and maybe some of the things you've done in your life? to maybe uh, show the person in front of you or behind you that it's not appreciated? I can't, I can't take complete credit. We have a director that works with us, Mike Mills, who put me on to this. Okay. But anyways, I've been traveling with, with young children for forever now, okay? Yep. And, okay, it's taboo to put your seat back, but I sort of get it, right? Mm-hmm. I sort of get it. Um, but don't put your seat back. <laughs> So, anyways, we had a, a lady that this plane was still ascending, and she put the seat back. I got a kid there. Like, what are you doing? So I took the air vent and put it right directly on her head, and it was like a crow's nest. Her hair was going everywhere. <laughs> After about thirty seconds, she got hot and turned around and pointed at the vent. And I said, "Yeah, as soon as you put your seat up, I'll turn the vent off. No problem." So she put her seat up and the vent went off. Most recently, however, on a trip to Vancouver, she's got to be the best one I've ever seen. We're in a bigger plane. It's absolutely ram-packed. The same thing. We're barely to the ascend. This guy puts his seat back. 30-something-year-old guy. Like, come on, dude. You don't need sleep, do you, really? Seriously? (laughs) And so on the big plane, they got, like, they have some power, right? Yeah. So I turned this thing full crank. So much so that my hand started getting cold from the leftover that was going on this guy's head. <laughs> but I have, to, I have to give him credit because this guy was relentless. Within probably 20 minutes, he put on a toque. <laughs> and after he put on the toque, he turned back to me and said, hey, what about the vent? And I said, my, my, hands, my hands are a little sweaty. Right? <laughs> Figuring maybe the guy would get the hint. My so hands are a little sweaty? <laughs> Okay. Yeah. I love it. And it was like, honestly, take, take the best fan you've ever seen. And this thing was blowing and blowing cold. Mm. So I'm thinking, at some point, the guy's got to get the hint. Nope. Half hour after that, he goes for the full parka. He's got a toque and a parka <laughs> on. My hands are frozen. And I'm like, dude, just put the seat up. Yeah. Nope. Okay. <laughs> Have at it. I hope you get pneumonia. <laughs> I love it. I love that. Passive. So anyways, that's the trick. You get yeah. the you get the you get the air vent. You crank it right on top of their head. Usually, it's cold. It's annoying. Gonna wreck the hair. It's got to do something to change the behavior. Yeah. In most cases, by the end of it, this guy was in a cocoon. He had a toque on. He had his full parka <laughs> on. Hood pulled up over the toque. I'm like, dude, how are you gonna see your way out of this out of this plane? <laughs> but anyways, you know what? For his for his persistence, I, I at the end of the flight, I actually tipped my cap. Yeah. Hey. Mm-hmm. Again, is there anything better than passive aggressiveness, though, Sammy Cause? I love it sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
I guess I should be a little more to the point. No, no, that's okay. I love it. Listen, we'll go off. Yeah, I'm a big fan of passive aggressive. Uh, It's the best. (laughs) Um, I've asked uh, Matty Rose this question about Calgary's um, chances of making into the Stanley Cup playoffs. Ten points left on the table with five games to go. How many do the Flames need minimum to have a real shot at the playoffs? Eight. Okay. Yep, I think it's eight. So that that puts you comfortably into a 95. Like the way I look at it is at some point, selfishly, I was thinking, all right, maybe Seattle's going to falter here and the two Canadian teams can get in. That would be, that would be really great for viewers of sports that watch in the playoffs. Two more Canadian teams would be great. The way I look at a big win for Seattle last night, they're already in the 92 point range. They've got six games left. They're probably going to win. Let's say even if they get to two of them, all right? So that gives them 96 points. So now you're just looking at the one spot. The way I look at it is you're going to have to be tucked in right behind them. So eight of a possible 10 points. Um, I think that that puts you in right at 95, probably tucks you right in underneath Seattle. What do you think about getting ready for a game like this against Chicago? Like, if you're the Flames, you've got your biggest game of the season coming up on Wednesday as you had to ha- have to head to Winnipeg to play that contest. But tonight you're playing a Blackhawks team that has lost eight straight. You won't recognize many players on the other side of the ice because most of them have been playing in the AHL for a lot of the season. How do you think the Flames can handle this type of a game? Well, clearly their general manager has put them in a position to lose. To, to do his very best to shape the roster. Not that any coach or player is going to tank. I mean, that, that's just silly. But the general manager does have some ability to impact what lineup he gives that, that coach. Okay, So it's very clear from the onset that he wants to be in all in on the Connor Bedard race. Mm-hmm. And I can understand that. Having said that, when the players drop the puck and you've lost eight straight, you're playing frustrated, teams on that much of a losing streak are dangerous. Chicago in general has been dangerous for the Calgary Flames with two wins this year. And, you know, we brought it up a couple of weeks ago on our Wednesday night show. Guys are talking about, hey, listen, at this time of year, people are either A, playing for jobs with that team next year, playing for jobs where someone else is looking, C, trying to get their cookies so that they can maximize their numbers so that if there is a contract situation that arises, they can maximize their dollars on it. And, the last part of because of those things, the play tends to be a little bit more unpredictable, tends to be a little bit more loose. And as a result of that, the structure that you put in place may not always be uh, as effective to execute because things just look a little bit different because everyone's trying to play for themselves. So all of those things present a dangerous scenario to the Calgary Flames. If I'm the Flames, I'm not looking at the standings, the roster, the news. I'm looking at the Chicago blanks. Like they have a blank jersey. Like I don't like they're the 80, you know, the the, yeah. the, the Gretzky era Oilers. That's <laughs> how I'm looking at. <laughs> Skating yeah, around with all the 99s for the Kings warm up. One of those. Yeah, I yeah, feel you. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think that's the approach you got to take. And you can't you can't change what you've done. And you know, like. Listen, the way it's gone this year for Calgary, mm-hmm. I think you can put this one into the third period right now, kind of like a basketball name, a game that's going to stop 50 times in the last three minutes. You can put <laughs> this one into the third period as a one-goal game. 
Oh, great. That's that's Flames hockey. That's yeah, Flames hockey. <laughs> sure is. They don't is. they don't necessarily make it easy on themselves. And that kind of leads me to my next one. Like we did see the Flames have their first two third period come from yeah. behind wins over the weekend. Now, do you think that is significant to get it at this time of the season? Does it matter who it's against or do you think that the opponent has something to do with it? Because I think we've heard a little bit of both from the fan base. Yeah, I, listen, it's significant because it hasn't happened. In 75 games leading up, it hadn't happened. It's significant because it's a four-game win streak. There's only been two three-game win streaks, one of them to start the year, the whole year with the Calgary Flames. So both of those things are extremely significant. The problem is, is it going to be too little too late? And we're not going to have the answer to that question probably for another three games. Sam Cosentino, NHL analyst on Sportsnet, draft expert, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Big show, Russick and Rose, 960 The Fan. I was asking Maddie about Elias Lindholm, and uh, he's had a good season. He was a part of the um, number one line in the NHL last year. But what do they need from Elias Lindholm here with five games to go? Because he's been good, Sammy, but not great that they kind of need him to be. They need him to be a selkie candidate. Go out and win draws at a 55% clip, which he's capable of doing. He's been around that 52%. I think I looked over the last five or six games right in that area, usually winning just a little bit more than, than he's losing. They need him to be a 55% face-off guy. They need him to be a plus guy, whether you believe him plus minus or not. They need him to be a guy who's a good distributor and who is taking care of business against the opposition's best. And if he doesn't provide any points at all, but he wins faceoffs at 55, is a plus on the plus-minus ledger, playing his 20 minutes a game and limiting the damage from the opposition's top line, then, then he's done his job more than, than I think should be expected. Of course, you'd like to see the points. And I think when Elias plays that way, if his process is good, the point production usually follows. But honestly, at that point, I am not worried about point production if he's doing those other things for me the last, uh, the last five games. Um, we've been really impressed with Walker Dewar here. Um, Sammy, he's been just terrific. Just he's forcing Daryl Sutter's hand to, to play up in the lineup. I know we throw the term around late bloomer a lot, and obviously he needs to show a lot more before we can permanently place that tag on a guy. But what do you look for when a guy potentially is a late bloomer, like a Walker Dewar, a guy in his mid twenties, not a guy who's 21, 22, but in his mid twenties that he's finally kind of figuring it out at the NHL level. He's in the perfect spot because he's a big guy with size who's paid his dues. And there's nobody who appreciates that more than Daryl Sutter. And with that, he's been given opportunity with opportunity comes confidence. When you have confidence, if you're playing at or near that level, you can push yourself over the hump. I think it's the same thing as Jacob Pelche. Like when he first started out there and I know he's not in the lineup right now, but how could you have confidence when your coach pretends he doesn't even know what number you wear? And then it wasn't that long after that when it was either a make good situation or Pelche actually was deserving his minutes on PP one, uh, mostly PP two, but on power play one and playing regular five on five minutes and producing and being boosted in the line for Dewar, It's the same thing. I don't look at him as a top six guy, but I love him all day in the three hole because he brings speed. He brings aggressiveness in the four check. He gets pucks turned over and he's shown that he's got enough touch to be able to produce in a third-line role. So when you look at uh, you know, the opportunity that's been given to him, 
He's earned it along the way, and he's continued to earn more ice as a result of his play. All of that comes with, with giving him the opportunity, capitalizing that opportunity, and gaining confidence as a result of the capitalization of those opportunities. You mentioned Matt Coronado, and uh, he was signed last week. It was funny. George and I mentioned it earlier. We were talking about, oh, when's he going to get in? Maybe against the Canucks, maybe against the Ducks. And now the Flames have won, what, four in a row, and, and we're not even thinking about Matt Coronado. What do you think he's learning, taken from being part of the team, and do you think he gets into the regular season if they continue to trend towards a playoff spot? I think you have to try and find a way to get him in there. Mm. I, and, and that's difficult. So, I, you know, I was in uh, Buffalo two Mondays ago. Devin Levi had been cleared. His paperwork had been done. It was against the Montreal Canadiens, his hometown team. And I thought, wow, what a perfect opportunity to start. He didn't. He started a night later against Philly and ended up winning 3-2 in a super important game for Buffalo. Like, if Buffalo wins out, they have a chance. It, it's slim. But do you really want to be starting a guy you just signed? And they found an opportunity to get him in. He was successful. It worked out. Good for Devin Levi. With Matt Coronado, it's a little bit different because he's one of 12 forwards. Mm-hmm. So you can hide him. You can manage him, especially in home ice. You can give him situations of which he's going to be best at. But as if you're Daryl Sutter, you want to have that additional worry, as experienced as he is, by being able to get this guy in. Listen, the facts are the facts. Smaller players just signed, hasn't had to really go through a ton of adversity to get where he is. Is that someone that Daryl Sutter is going to run in, uh, run up the minutes right away where he's giving him 14 or 15 minutes? Come on, guys. That's not going to happen. Yeah. But do you still want to get him out there, get him his lap, get him comfortable with playing in front of 20,000 people, and the idea of actually being there and being engaged and listening to what happens in the intermissions and all that kind of stuff? I do think that's important. I don't think tonight is the night to do it. Maybe around game 80, you have a little bit more definition as to where you are. And listen, if they're out of it, then go ahead, play them and play them as 15 minutes. Give them a taste of what it's like. Say, here you go. There's your springboard into the summer. Go to work. Get ready to come back and try and make this team next year. But even in the case where they're still in it, I think you have to give them a sniff because you never know. Injuries occur in the playoffs. He's a guy you might need. Um, And of course, even in small stints, you just want to see how he kind of fits out there. Mm-hmm. So that position is going to present itself. I don't think tonight's the night to do it. How do you project a guy like Matt Coronado based on what you saw from his most recent year at Harvard, the ECAC tournament, and, well, maybe not the Final Four tournament because they got thumped by Ohio State in the first round. But everything prior to that, what have you seen that, you know, you can kind of project him? What do, what do you expect him to be over the next little bit in the NHL? Well, he... He's a bulldog and he's, you know, like you use that schedule to, to gain strength. So as a slightly smaller player compared to, you know, your, your six foot two, your, your doer type of four, he's, he's not that he's a skilled guy who marries his skill with will. And you have to love that because when it comes to work ethic and competing and digging in the corners and going to the tough areas, that that's already part of what Matthew has done throughout the course of his career and even going back to his days uh, in, in the USHL. So that part is, is in place for him. What it is with any young player, and for me, tougher for a young player in a Daryl Sutter coach system, is again, given the same th- sort of thing as Dewar, where you're given opportunity, capitalize on that opportunity, you become confident, and then you move along into your career. So the end of the day, my projections for this guy is, 
I think he has to play in your top six in order to be a really effective guy. But in the meantime, building up to that, I think he can be an effective um, third-line guy slash 10th forward, if you will, because of his work ethic, because of his attention to detail. Mm. Yeah, you want the scoring and you want all that other stuff. That's not likely to come early, but I think Matthew competes and works hard enough that he can give you minutes on a third line or even an intense forward spot. Sam, do you think Daryl Sutter's future with the Calgary Flames is tied to making the playoffs this year? I don't. No, I think he's there in in one capacity or another, and what that capacity is probably depends on a playoff position. If he's not the head coach, who do you think is next season? Oof, that's a that's a great great question. Um, you know, having been on the bench, listen for me, I think Ryan Huska is, is the guy. Mm. You know, you want to talk about a guy who's paid his dues going back to his days in Kelowna. He's had to work through a couple of different head coaches uh, with the Calgary Flames. And he's been uh, mentored by Daryl Sutter. So for me, that answer is internal. That answer is Ryan Huska. And for me, knowing what I know about Ryan from his days in Kelowna, he has a really good uh, ability to communicate with players. He holds players accountable. Um he has a little bit of that old school where he kind of get pissed at you, but he also has a lot of the new school telling you why he's pissed at you. And I think that combination of things make him the perfect candidate. Plus who knows the organization any better having worked in Stockton before he came to Calgary, he's got a good idea of what the pipeline looks like uh, having worked with management uh, uh, and having worked with Daryl, having worked with a number of coaches. Like I, I can't think of a better guy more suited to make that jump and as opposed to maybe going to find hey it's Babcock it's Claude Julian it's you know one of the older guys who's got who's had a lot of uh, games under his belt I think the answer lies within and I think the answer is Ryan Huska if it's not Sutter. Do you think paying your dues at the coaching level means as much in the NHL as it used to when you see a guy like Martin St. Louis and I know he's Stanley Cup champion or trophy winner incredible player he coached his kids team and then jumped from that to coaching the Montreal Canadiens do you think that matters as much now in the NHL that maybe it used to? I, I do. I think it matters. And for Marty, he's been given a hall pass. And this is no disrespect to the Montreal Canadiens organization. I'm tied to it closely with a number of people. But I've never seen a team worse be celebrated more. And, and <laughs> like that, no, that's the truth. Fair, yeah. yeah. No, 100%. Fair, 100%. 100%. And I, I love what Jeff Gordon has done, modernizing the organization. I love how Kent Hughes thinks outside the box, and his, his player procurement has been brilliant. Now, a little bit of a hall pass with the injuries, but that's also, in my opinion, partially something to do internally. Okay, So now you go and hire a coach outside the box. He makes Cole Caulfield a better player. All of a sudden, he's a Jack Adams guy. Well, hold on a sec, Marty. I'm I'm all willing to give you a hall pass at the situation you had last year and this year, okay, coming in mid-year, first full year as a head coach. I think he's smart enough that the learning curve is so steep for Marty that for me, the proof will be in the pudding with what happens with this club next year, where it's expected everyone's to be healthy. They'll have another draft under their belt. They should be able to graduate players from Laval, be able to use all of these players that they've been able to see because of injury as, as what they need moving forward. Like, they'll have a better sense for the organization. And I talked about this with Marty uh, two Mondays ago in Buffalo. Like the one cool thing for him is he's getting a real good cross section of what the organization has to offer in terms of players. 
Raphael Harvey-Pinard, he looks like an NHL player. He's probably a guy you wouldn't have seen. Alex Belzil, you can probably bounce him around like you have Pizzetta on that fourth line. Pizzetta is a guy that you could probably continue to hang with as a cheap option. So having said all of that, you know, I still think it's important to have some coaching chops. Now for Marty, again, he's been given the hall pass. He's probably one of a few guys who can adjust, learn on the fly. But for me, I would rather make that determination after next year when they start with a fresh slate, they start with a fresh season, they start with everybody healthy, and then let me see where it goes from there before I make a determination as Marty being a, a, you know, a, a Jack Adams candidate. Sammy, uh, I want to ask you to put your draft hat on for just a moment here. Um, as far as separation between the first and second pick, which most projections have it going, Connor Bedard and then Adam Fantilli, is Adam Fantilli what Connor Bedard or to Connor Bedard what Jack Eichel was to Connor McDavid when you look at the gap and and how even if you got second overall back in that 2015 draft you would have been really happy to get Jack Eichel? Yeah, I think that's a great comparison. I really, really do. And even in terms of size, type of player, that sort of thing, uh, I have a really good appreciation for Adam's game for his ability to bring things to the interior, to use his speed. Like his numbers, guys, might be equally as impressive as a freshman at the NCAA uh, ranks as related to what Connor Bedard is doing in his first year of draft eligibility, CHL slash WHL wise. Like it's been that good. And I hope people get an opportunity to, to see it over the course of this weekend, you know, when you're bouncing between the Masters and you're pounding down some turkey for Easter and whatnot, <laughs> that you get a chance to, to turn. <laughs> You know, if the tryptophan isn't uh, at its highest level, that you get a chance to, to watch a little Adam Fantilli because he's a treat. Uh, I wanted to ask you as well about Mafe Mitchkov, who continues to be one of the bigger enigmas around this draft. And, and a, a strange and sad story today is, is his father has passed away under unexplained circumstances in Sochi. Um, I just, I wonder how you look at Mitchkov as far as an X factor in this draft. I really wonder if there's a team that's kind of in that 13 to 16 range, if they end up winning that second overall, like would they be really interested in a guy that maybe doesn't have a commitment to the NHL right away? Oh man, that he is going to be the most uh, watched guy for me. Come yeah. this draft. Like, like in terms of talent, he deserves to be in the top two, three conversation. He really does. And some of the things he's done at the KHL is at his age. I haven't been done before. So you have to take that into consideration. But there is so much more that goes along with that. The geopolitical uh, situation, the war that is going on, without a doubt, is going to have a massive impact on where he gets selected. The situation with him switching teams, you know, obviously how he, had, he, he has to uh, kind of come to grips with the loss of his dad, the contract situation, there are so many variables to this player more than I can ever remember surrounding any other player that's been taken in my whatever, eight years of doing it on TV and and 15 years of basically covering the draft. So if you're asking me where he's going, honestly, I don't know, and I have have no clue. It's going to be fascinating. Man, he's the the X factor for me. I'm really excited for this draft. It's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of good players in the dub, which I love because I've been able to see a lot of them this year. Yes, sir. Huge. From uh, Kalen Lins to the Braden Jaggers, the Riley Height, Cohen Zemer. I mean, honestly, it's a, it's a banner year for the WHL. And you know what, guys? 
I, I, I have to say this because the WHL office is based in Calgary, but I give Ron Robinson and the owners of the Western Hockey League a lot of credit because playing in that 24-game bubble allowed this draft class, the 2005s, most of them to play as 15-year-olds. Yeah. And even if it was just 24 games, it was still WHL competition. The whole league is going to benefit from that when we get to Nashville in June because of how many first-round picks are going to result and how many total picks are going to come out of the dub this year. Sammy Cosentino, NHL analyst at Sportsnet, NHL draft expert, and, of course, uh, passive-aggressive airline passenger. (laughs) Sammy Cos, great stuff, pal. Thanks for this. We'll talk soon. If you're sitting in front of me on the way to Nashville, bring a tooth. (laughs) I love it. Thanks, pal. Talk soon. (laughs) See you, guys. There he goes on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, using the same secret recipe since 1975. Down in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Take out or delivery at 403-248-3344. Straight ahead, Jay Kahn from Sirius XM NHL Radio. We'll talk to Adam Stanley live from Augusta National. Um, we'll take your text messages still. We'll do some of those with Texty McTexterson. Um, these two games mean as much to the Flames as blank means to me. And another Matty Rose forever. Sports at 960, the fan.